Vineyard Westside welcomes everyone. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. Come as you are, because we believe that love wins, period. Amen. All right, we're going to jump on into here. Today I want to talk about belief. Uh, I want to talk about belief, maybe, maybe more specifically unbelief, unbelief. Um, all of you in this room, I would say as a, like, I love statistics, and I would, I would estimate that every one of you in this room has a, a certain percentage, a certain percentage of belief right now. And so you might have come in today and said, I'm a believer. And you, if someone asked you on the street, you would say, yes, I gave my life to Jesus. I'm one of his followers. I'm a Christian. And so a lot of us would think that that means your level of belief is 100% if you're a Christian. Um, I bet the majority of people in this room are not at 100%. I think a couple of you might be. Uh, one of the things that Scripture talks about is different spiritual gifts that people are given. Um, have you ever heard that you're a born-again Christian when you give your life to Christ? And you're like, what does that mean? That's kind of a weird term, born again. Well, it, it is a little weird, but it's because the old you died, and there's a new you that's been born, one that is with God, one that is healed and whole and and. just full of possibility. And when you come alive in Christ, that second life, that old you dies away, the old self dies off, and the new, the new self is raised to life with Christ, um, you are given certain gifts. You're given certain gifts because it's your birthday. It's your spiritual birthday. And so if you're a born-again Christian, what do you get on your birthday? You get presents. Some people get the present called faith. There is a spiritual gift that is called faith that would seem like all of us got that, right? Like if you're a believer, if you're here and you, and you, and you drank the Jesus Kool-Aid, you're like, well, I have faith. No, actually. Actually, some of you in this room, some of us in this room who might be a pastor who are standing on the stage don't have the gift of faith. Um, as far as a spiritual gift goes, the gift of faith is an incredible thing. Um, it was a, a gift that I didn't understand for a long time, but it's a gift where if God has given you this spiritual gift, you just know that you know that you know that you know that you know that God is good, that he is true, that everything that is in his word is real, that it's trustworthy, that you can hang your hat on it, that you can trust it, you can lean into it 100%. You don't have to have any doubt or any worry. Anything that you find out about God, you read in his word. And for some of us, it might be surprising, but for you, every time you're like, yep, sounds like him. Yep, 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 yep. And doubt doesn't, doubt doesn't enter. I am very jealous of you. For those of you who have the gift of faith, it is a beautiful gift. I will warn you, you are also the people who chase others off. And I am serious. If you have the gift of faith, you are a person who is susceptible to chasing people away from you because 
when you're trying to connect with another person who's dealing with any kind of doubts or any kind of, you know, I'm not really sure, I don't know what I believe completely. Um, where you're coming from, it's, what do you mean? How can you not believe? Isn't it plain as day? It's obvious, right? Like, and I, I've, I've had so many friends who have this gift of faith, and I'm like, what do you, what do you mean you just, because uh, like, I, I just, I struggle with some of it. What percentage do you think you believe? If you're in this room right now and you're not a believer, you have not drank the Kool-Aid. You have not given your life over to Jesus yet. You're not ready. You're just not sure. The funny thing about that is even though you're not a believer, I would say that your level of belief is at a certain percentage. For me, it had to hit a tipping point. I believed a bunch of different parts and pieces of the story of Jesus. I just didn't believe the whole thing. And I had to get to this tipping point of going, you know what? Yeah, I do believe that he did that. I believe that he died on a cross for me. I believe that, that he loves me. I believe, that, I believe that he's rooting for me. I believe that with him all things are possible. I believe these things. And all of a sudden this percentage raised up and up and up. And the tipping point happened. And all of a sudden I was one of those people who gave my life to Jesus. It was about 15, 17 years ago, something like that. Today we're going to talk about uh, a guy named Thomas who essentially is in the same place of having a certain percentage of belief in his life, and he is one of the ones who's walking with Jesus himself. Thomas, um, if you've heard of him before, you might know him by his nickname, Doubting Thomas. Doubting Thomas. So we have Doubting Thomases out there. We also have Peeping Toms. So just if you're thinking about naming your kid Tom, anybody, just maybe, it's kind of a hard one. Like, there's a lot of Doubting Thomas, Peeping Tom. It's just bad. But Thomas in the Bible is a really, really good guy. He's a really good guy, even though he's Doubting Thomas. Now, remember that Jesus prayed all night long before making a decision to select his 12 disciples. And Thomas is one of the guys who made the cut. He's one of the guys who Jesus spent all night praying about and was like, you know what? Thomas. Thomas. Jesus himself picks him. He shows promise. Thomas is the guy who has this ability to believe and also act on his belief. He is a disciple. He's someone who Jesus would consider to be worthy to follow him and to be spreading the news of what he's doing with this kingdom arriving. And so all these times when Thomas shows up throughout the Gospels and other stories, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Thomas looks good. Thomas is like well-behaved. Thomas is, he's a disciple. Man, gold star. But Something changes that causes things to get a little bit weird at some point. Now, Thomas, just to look at it, uh, before we jump into him being a doubter, let's look at John chapter 11. John chapter 11, verse 16. Jesus is determined to go to Jerusalem uh, at this point in the story. In John chapter 11, Jesus is going to go to Jerusalem in the midst of a super dangerous situation. And basically, it's kind of known that you're walking into a trap. 
Jesus, if you go to Jerusalem now, it's kind of over. Like, they're going to capture you. They're probably going to capture all of us, um, and we don't know what's going to happen from there. And so Jesus says, I don't care. I want to go to Jerusalem. That's what God is calling me to do now. It says, Thomas said to the rest of the disciples, Thomas, he's the one who's, guys, Thomas, listen to me. Let us also go that we may die with him. Let us also go that we may die with him. This is a ride or die, homie, right here. Thomas, let us go also that we may die with him. In John chapter 14, a few chapters later, Jesus says to his his guys, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. Wait a second, you believe in God? Yeah, aren't you God, God, the Son of God? Wait wait a second, are you saying that I can believe and maybe it's just a certain percentage of belief, it's not all the way 100%, like I don't believe every single point? You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have not told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and I prepare a place for you, then I'll come back and I'll take you with me so that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? You've been talking about leaving us, that you're going to be going to heaven, that you're going to ascend, that you're going to be going, you're, you're going to be leaving us somehow, and um, here's what we don't know, God, we do not know where you're going, we don't get it, and so how can we know the way to get there? Jesus answers, I am the way. He says to Thomas, I'm the way. Thomas says, we don't know the way. Jesus says, I'm the way, and I'm the truth and I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen me. So in Thomas, in this story, Thomas, we have a picture of a committed follower of Jesus. He loves Jesus with all of his heart. He has given up his job. He's given up his friends. He's given up his life to follow Jesus. He walks with Jesus. He's willing to suffer with Jesus. He even says to the rest of his buddies that he's willing to die for Jesus. And he invites them to do the same thing. Let us also go that we may die with him. But then he shows up a little bit later when the party has started and things are already off and going and things have gotten a little uh, out of hand, things have maybe gone differently than they had planned for, things didn't go the way that they were expecting them to. And um, in this story, Jesus ends up going to Jerusalem. He's arrested. Um, They hold on to him. Things do not go well. And they kill him. And they kill Jesus. Um, who was completely innocent. He'd committed no crime whatsoever, but 
They end up killing Jesus. And in John chapter 20, in John chapter 20, uh, there's an interaction between Thomas and Jesus that kind of shifts the tone of things. Thomas, who used to be saying, um, I'm willing to die for you. I'm willing to follow you anywhere. I'll give all I have, all I possess, all my money, all my time, all my talent, all my treasure. Uh, But something changes. In John chapter 20, Thomas says this. He says, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and I can put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. Thomas hears that his Lord and Savior has been raised from the dead, that he is risen. Three days later, a resurrection has taken place. One of the 12, picked by Jesus, says, I don't believe it. I don't believe it happened. They say, well, yeah, but Jesus said that this was going to happen. He told us to expect it. And and Thomas says, "I, I don't believe it. He says, I will not believe it. I will not believe it unless I'm able to do, this is like, not just, uh, I'm not sure if I believe it. He says, I will not. I won't believe it. I'm, I'm making a decision, not, uh, I kind of have my doubts or I'm having some trouble accepting it completely, or you're kidding me, I don't understand how it works. He says, I will not believe it unless I can stick my fingers in the holes in his hands and stick my hand in the side um, where he was cut open. That's a dangerous way to deal with God. It's a dangerous way to deal with God because God says specifically in his, world, in his word, do not test the Lord your God. Do not test me. And Thomas is basically throwing out a test, telling God to come down and settle things and to prove himself. It's, it's usually just not a good idea. And so Thomas, I would say, is being a little bit unreasonable here, but for Some of you in this room today, and I get it completely, you're like, this is totally reasonable because I don't believe it either. And I would want to touch the holes in his hands. I would want to put my hand in his side. I don't believe it either. It seems reasonable to me. Jesus shows mercy to Thomas. He shows mercy to Thomas. Uh, He does tell him to knock it off, though. He shows him mercy, but he does tell him to, uh uh-uh, boy. (laughs) John chapter 20, he says, stop doubting and believe. Stop doubting and believe. Jesus showed Thomas mercy, but he put him on notice, and he said, don't push it, buddy. Do not test me again. And Thomas is doubting that Jesus could do what he had promised he was going to do in the first place. And what I'm wanting to ask you guys today is, do you have any areas where you doubt Jesus can do the things that he's promised that he can do? Um, Do you believe 100%? What percentage do you think you would give yourself? Um, If you have a faith gift, a faith gift, you believe 100% that, God, you are good all the time, that you are for me and not against me, 
that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, that greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. You believe these, and you're just like, yes, 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 yes. Doubt doesn't enter the equation. But for some of you, it's a different percentage, and you have a certain thing where you're like, no, I believe these kind of things. And so what, it, like, is it, what about Jonah and the whale? You're like, I believe 100%, Jonah and the whale, uh, 98%. Do you believe that Jonah was swallowed by a whale and was in it for three days and was coughed up onto the shore? Do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus walked on water? Do you believe that Peter did too for a little while? Do you believe that Jesus changed water into wine at the wedding? Do you believe that people can be healed of mental illnesses, that they can be healed of physical illnesses, that they can be healed of emotional illnesses in the kingdom of God? Do you believe that part? Because the word of God is very clear about it, about who God is and what he can do. And so the question is, like, do you believe all the way? Do you, do you believe all the way? Because when you don't believe all the way, it starts to reveal some things. Some, it starts to reveal um, maybe why you're having a limited experience with God. Um, if you're experiencing God in a wimpy, wimpy way, I'm going to tell you it's not supposed to be like that. Matthew chapter 16, it says, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, that he must be killed, and that on the third day, he'd be raised to life. And so Jesus makes this promise, and he makes it over and over and over again. But Thomas is the one who refuses to believe that, that promise. He, he refuses. That, that's the one thing for Thomas that's just too much. Like, I was with you up until this, but the whole, you died, then you came back, and man, oh no, I, once bread gets moldy, it's moldy, man, I don't, like, and so he doesn't have faith in Jesus' promise. Um, here's what Jesus says, though, to Thomas after allowing him. Man, Jesus does it, too. It feels like if I were Jesus, I'd be like, you're not touching anything. Doubter, I'd be letting other people touch him in front of him. <laughs> but Jesus, Jesus, man, he, he, he gives him what he needs. It says in John 20, because you have seen me, you've believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. How many of you have put your, your, your fingers in the holes of his hands? How many of you? Blessed are you who have not seen and believed. Hebrews chapter 11 says, Faith is the substance of things that are hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It also says, without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. 
You not only have to believe that God exists, but that he actually does stuff too. That's the thing. So if you're, maybe you're in the belief percentage of, I believe that God is real. Or maybe you came through 12-step recovery programs and it's, you know, I believe in a higher power. I'm not really sure what I believe, what percentage you're at. What I am challenging you to and, and just trying to, I, I, don't, I don't want you to be caught off guard. I don't want you to think we kept it a secret or tried to trick you. I want you to know the truth of it. That is, God is real and that he does stuff today actively. Miracles, signs and wonders, things where only he can do them. And you either believe these things or you don't, but I will say that if you're one of the people who doesn't believe that, then um, you're, you're kind of wimpying up the whole situation for us because we're not at a, a level of expectation where the Holy Spirit can move because of the level of belief and expectation. And so what we're talking about this for is to say, all right, how can we bump that number up so cooler stuff can happen? How can we bump that percentage up for you so that cooler stuff can happen? Mark chapter 9, it says this, a man in a crowd answered, teacher, he's talking to Jesus, teacher, I brought you my son who's possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, he gnashes his teeth, and he becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Jesus replies, you unbelieving generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Ugh, bring the boy to me. Jesus, you know, my last nerve. <laughs> it says, so they brought him. When the Spirit saw Jesus, there's little things in Scripture like this right here. Um, it says in verse 20, so they brought him. They bring the boy to Jesus. It says, when the Spirit saw Jesus... It says spirit with a lowercase s. This is an impure spirit. This is a demon. How much of the stuff do you believe? Do you believe in the demon stuff? Like, do you believe 100%? Do you believe in the wacky, weird stuff? So they brought him when the spirit saw Jesus. It immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and he rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It's often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. How many of you have kids? Can you imagine if there was something happening with your kid where suddenly they were thrown into a convulsion and they were like, hmm, do you know where any fire is? I got to jump in it. Like, I need, like... They're actively being thrown to the ground by a spirit. Jesus asked, how long has he been like this? From childhood, thrown him into fire or water to kill him. He says, but if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can do anything, 
Jesus. Take pity on us and help us. If you can, Jesus says, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Help me overcome my unbelief. I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Like, I'm doing, man, I'm, have you ever been in that, in that place? Maybe you've been in that place with a woman. Maybe you've been in that place with a man. Maybe you've been in that place with God. Where you're just going, what is, I'll do anything I have to do. Just tell me, what do I have to do? I want, I want you. I want your goodness. I want your healing. I want your wholeness. I want your hope. I want your... What do I have to, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. If I'm unbel- if I don't believe, help me, tell me what to do. Help me overcome my unbelief. Verse 25, when Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. He said, you deaf and mute spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. Come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked. It convulsed him violently and it came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet and he stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? Why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, this kind can come out only by prayer. Dummies. You're trying to shake it out of them. You're <laughs> this kind can only come out by prayer. I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. I love this so much because this is a dad who's laying all of his cards on the table for his boy who he's at his wit's end just wanting to have a life. If you have a kid that is suffering through some kind of chronic disease or illness of some kind and you feel that helplessness this is a dad laying his cards on the table saying i i believe but i am t- i i admit jesus i'm a hundred percent it's a struggle for me to believe all the way it's a struggle for me to believe all the way and if you can help me get there please help me get there i want to be there i just don't know how to be I mean, I'm here, aren't I? My boy needs your help. He needs help that I can't give him. You see that I believe in you, right? You see that I believe that you can do something. You can, you can heal him. You can do something miraculous. You know I believe I'm here, aren't I? And so maybe, yeah, maybe you are the son of God. I'm not sure, I'm not sure if I believe in all these miracles, but I'm desperate. Jesus, help my unbelief go away. In spite of my doubts or my struggles, I'm making a conscious decision to believe. One option, because one option is hopeless. One option is hopeless, and and my boy is doomed if I pick that option. But the other option has hope in it and possibility, and I've been hearing things about miracles, and maybe, just maybe, it's true, and I want to give myself to it completely. I want to give myself to it completely.
Um, any, any car guys in here, car ladies, car fans? There's a guy named Lee Iacocca, who was one of the, um, the most uh, influential designers and innovators and engineers um, who worked on the Ford Mustang, as well as lots of other sports cars uh, as, they were, as they were invented, as they came out for the first time. Lee Iacocca was a genius with uh, just Mustang fastback, all these, de these incredible designs, and things that were crazy that the public was like, that's not anything like a car we've ever seen before. It's going to bomb. It's going to not do well. And Lee Iacocca continued to have struggles working um, with, with the Ford Mustang program with coworkers who were just not able to, um, they were not able to get all the way there to believe that this thing could actually happen the way he said. Here's a quote from Lee Iacocca. He said, the trouble with you is that in college, they taught you to not take any action until you had all the facts, all the facts. And you got 95% of them. But it's going to take you another six months to get that last 5%. And by the time you do, they're going to be out of date and someone else is going to have invented a cooler car. Thomas has this same kind of problem. Some of you may have this same kind of problem that you have heaps of facts and info and experiences and what your family believed growing up and just what's in your, in your head that you believe. Um, and Thomas is one of those people who's he's almost about to let that last 5% that he's not sure about ruin all of it. Like, he believes 95% of it, but he's about to let that 5% ruin everything. I decided to believe about 15, 16, I don't know how many years ago, I decided to believe because I don't have a faith gifting. I've been building that over time. It's, it's, it has grown and I will tell you that now, I just, it's, it's on autopilot. When I read something about what God can do in his word and about who he says I am, what he believes to be true about me, what is possible, I just, I just instinctively nod my head as much as I'm, I don't care how much I'm doubting. I'm just on autopilot going, I know this to be true now because I've walked with him for about 20 years now and I found him to be good and true and that he comes through on his word. And so I decided to believe. And I keep making a decision, whatever my percentage number is, 64%, I, I believe all the way. Maybe there's a, a part of it that, you know, what is it for you? Speaking in tongues, does that freak you out? It says in the word, in scripture that a gift sometimes bestowed upon you by the Holy Spirit is speaking in tongues. I've heard it before. Daggone it, I, I'm still somewhat scared to admit it. I've done it myself. And I had to go, How, this, I don't like this. <laughs> but it happened and God did something and 
I believe that he moved in a, in a certain way through it. I'm inviting you to make a decision to believe at a higher level uh, so that God can begin to move in more powerful ways. Um, if you want to give yourself to that, if you want to make a decision to believe, like if you know yourself and you know you're at 28%, you know you're at 3%, you know you're at 91%. I know a lot of people who they've given themselves over to God almost completely except for they don't believe he's ever going to come through for them um, as far as a wife goes. They don't believe him for that. And so they believe 91% or whatever, but they don't believe him for that. He's, he's good for that wife. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, um, we are asking that you would give us just a new understanding of what it means to to believe and to give ourselves to you completely, that if we think about this father and his son and, and that he knows that you have something incredible, Lord, we're in, that, we're in that same place. We believe. Help us in our unbelief, anything that is blocking us, anything that we're not sure about, anything that we're fuzzy on, Anything that's making our faith weak. Or that you would just give us an assuredness of who we are in Christ. You would give us an increase of faith. An increase of your Holy Spirit and of power and of authority and of... I, I want to see, see acts of your Holy Spirit... I want to see movement from you. So I say, come Holy Spirit, praying that you would be pouring out dreams and visions on your people, that they would be seeing pictures of you that they haven't seen before, that people in this room would hear your voice, that you would speak to them, God, that you would give... Um, just different expressions of your Holy Spirit out. We don't want to talk about you like you're not in the room. We want to look right at you, Lord. We want to sing to you. We want to hear from you. We want to feel your peace and your truth and your hope just wash over us. Just say, come Holy Spirit. Increase the level of faith in this room. Bring somebody to that next place. Whatever, what, what challenge, are, what are they stuck on? I just pray that you'd be whispering to them right now that you're there. So we pray for your blessing, your favor, your glory. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you guys. I love you all. I will see you soon.
hey, we're going to have some prayer team people over here by the cross who'd love to pray for you if you want that. And um, yeah, I will see you guys soon. Have a good week. For more information about Vineyard Westside, please visit vineyardwestside.com.